This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, we're discussing Igeret HaRamban. Igeret HaRamban, the letter from the Ramban to his son. And we are discussing this idea of humility and fear of Hashem. So a person has to remember, the Ramban tells his son, he says, remember who, it's very topical today, who are you going to give Din and Cheshbon to? The din is judgment, and cheshbon is a calculation. So the question is, what's this calculation? That's why the two separate things, din and cheshbon. You go in front of God. And you go to the judge, and you tell him what's going on. You give a judgment. This is what I did, 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 I did this good deed, I did this bad deed, this is din. What's cheshbon? So we'll go and ask that question. We'll go and ask, what's the question, what's the difference between din and cheshbon? And he answers... He says, din is the punishment or the reward for the actual deed. That's the deed. And then he says, and cheshbon, which is the calculation is, a person does a misdeed, that time which he could have been doing a good deed, also punishment. It was the calculation of what he could have done with that energy, what he could have done with that money, what he could have done with uh, his time. That's part of the calculation as well. That's, that's calculation. So judgment is on the deed itself. But the calculation is what? It's called opportunity cost, right? In, in economics. What it costs you to do this. And what I lost out. No, it's, right? So that's the Gaon's opinion. Of what if the person is doing a bad deed. It took him 20, 20 minutes to do this bad deed. In those 20 minutes, he could have been doing a good deed. And that is the calculation. So number one, he's punished for the bad deed. Number two is the calculation behind it. And vice versa. person does a good deed. And he prepared. He prepared. He's getting calculations now, not just for the deed. He's also getting calculations for the preparation that went into the deed. We talked about the time it takes to walk to shul. All the, all the different steps you take to the shul. It's a calculation. Hashem gives calculation. You could have been doing something else. Hashem gives you a reward. You could be watching a movie. You could be watching, having dinner. Imagine. person goes to shul instead of having dinner. Big, big big reward. Why? Because not only is he doing a mitzvah, but he's also missing his dinner. That's a tremendous reward. Right? On the other hand, there's another opinion that says calculation. This is one I always quote. Calculation. What is calculation? Calculation is the ripple effect of the deed. Cheshbon is the ripple effect of the deed. It's not only when you do a deed. Nothing happens to that deed. There's ripple effect to that deed. What does that mean? You influence people. People see, oh, this guy is doing this deed and doing that deed, and people around you get influenced by them. And vice versa. If a person does a bad deed, people get influenced for the bad. People do a good deed, people get influenced for good, hopefully. But even if you can't see the ripple effect, there's no one around. It has a ripple effect on the neshamot of those who are linked to you. Very Kabbalistic. Because your neshama is like a neshama on a branch. All the other neshamot on the branch are linked to your neshama closer than anything else. So if you can imagine a tree full of neshamot. Each neshamot is a leaf. Which neshamot do you influence the most? The ones on your tree. What do you mean the ones on your tree? They're all on the same tree. The ones on your branch. What do you mean the ones on your branch? The ones on your twig. So it could be family or... Usually it's family. The closest neshamot to you are your families. People don't realize that. Well, that's why you're family. <laughs> it's a hint, right? Your closest neshamot are your families, especially your children, because that's part of your neshamot, literally. Literally. Your parents. They are your big nishama. That's You're a microcosm of the nishama. So it's very important, very critical to realize that. So you do a good deed, it influences the ch- people around you. Sometimes you don't even know who your nishama is. 
you feel something, you feel a friend, you're like, I know this guy, he's like a friend of mine. How do you know he's a friend of yours? And the answer is, you're related somehow. You're the Shemot related. If you interact with someone, Arizal says, everyone you interact with is somehow related to you. Hashem puts them in your direction. Because you're related. And sometimes you feel hate, you hate them. Sometimes you feel you love them. Why? Because they're part of your Nishma. And you see the bad in them because you see the bad in yourself. And you hate them because of the thing what they did and because you yourself are guilty of it. Anyway. So interesting. So there's ripple effects. So Din is the actual judgment. Everyone agrees. Judgment is judgment. Hashem says, you did this, bang. You did this, reward. Judgment. And then Cheshbon is, what is the opportunity cost the Kuzi what could you be doing in that time? I'm going to reward you for that time that you spent. You could be doing other things. Or I'm going to punish you for the time that you could be doing good deeds if you did something bad. Or the second opinion is, the cheshbon is the calculations that the ripple effects of your deed. So for example, the person built a yeshiva. So it's not just the guys who learn the yeshiva straight away. It's the guys, their children, their grandchildren who are influenced by that yeshiva. Psh, that's amazing. Hopefully for good. <laughs> so, so you teach Torah, and it reaches this guy, and it reaches that guy. You never know who it reaches. And it changes them for good, hopefully. So we have to pray. Hashem, before a person learns Torah, we have to pray that no, no damage will come out of my learning. Hashem, no damage will come out of the learning. So you spread it into the four corners of the world, and good things come out of it, a person gets reward. It's not only reward in this world, it's the reward in the next world we're talking about. What do you mean the reward in the next world? That means every year we're judged. Like Neshamah is judged. The dead are judged. Right? Rosh Hashanah, dead judge, not just weird judge, the dead judge as well, and all the merits that accrued to them over their year from their deeds they did. Supposing a person left a son who's righteous. Big good deeds, this guy's deeds, he's going up in heaven. He's going up in Ganeda, he's going up the ladder. He's in Gainam, his, his, his good son can pull him up from Gainam to Ganeda. The power of uh, the deeds, the power of the children, the power of the things you leave behind in this world. So if you leave ripples in the tank, good ripples in the tank, Reward in the next world. So a person says, you know what, I got my judgment. Ah, so what am I getting now? You're getting the cheshbon on your judgment. You're getting the ripple effects on your judgment. The, 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 these you did, you're getting ripple effects for eternity. Right? That's why it's good to have righteous children. That's why it's good to have good deeds for you. So a person can't have children, have students. If you can't have students, have a support of yeshiva that has students. And this way, there's ripple effects of your good deeds going up in the world. It's interesting, if you want to invest, what do you invest in? You don't invest in a small company, you invest in a big company. Why? Because a big company is very widespread and has most effects. The same thing a person should look for. Is instead of investing in a one person learning, invest in a whole industry. Factory of people learning. Massive factories of people learning throughout today. Because you invest in those. Why? Because they get more ripple effects. Much more ripple effects. So that's a famous story of Israel Salanta. Israel Salanta was involved in a case, court case. One man hit his friend. So Israel Salanta told him, he says, you're guilty of hitting your friend. But you're also guilty of the energy you spent hitting your friend and the time you spent hitting your friend. <coughs> so the energy you spent to accomplish this crime could have been used constructively. This waste is a grave offense as well. So whatever energy we use, it's, uh, we don't even think about it. You know, a person could be doing this, could be doing that. So now he did something worthless. Say in God's eyes, not in man's eyes. God's eyes, it's worthless. So now he spent two hours doing something worthless. I go, Barman, now that's the worst kind of cheshbon. Hashem is taking cheshbon now. You could be learning Torah at that time. Something we have to do to for. 
We have to do Teshuvah all the time. We wasted. It's a lot of time. He's the Vagal says eight minutes a month or whatever. He, he wasted. That's why he's the Vagal. No wasted time. Why are we, why are we so low? Because we waste time. It's hard to find time. I think it myself. Shame me during the day. Hard to find time to learn. It's hard to find enough time. There's so much to learn. So much little time to learn. Very careful to say. It's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of things to learn. A lot of Torah. The Torah is like the sea. Yam Yam Shal Torah. How do you learn Torah? You lick it like a dog. That's Rabbi Yitzhak Hurkanus, the greatest rabbi around. He says, "My hands are like two sefer Torah, and when I'm dying, thousands of loaves are going to be lost." And then he says, "And I'm like a, a dog who lapped from the ocean. How much? How much did I learn from my masters, from my rabbis? As much as a dog can lap, lick from the ocean. No more is the ocean is salty. Don't we? What a comparison! What are you saying? Imagine the ocean is uh, pure water, and the dog can lick from the ocean. How much can a dog take from the ocean? That's how much I learned from my rabbis. Who is this rabbi? Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai." And Rabbi Yochanan was the smallest student of Hillel. 80 students, imagine. One of the biggest students learned Rabbi Yonatan Berzio. And Hillel himself, who did he learn from? How much did he get from his rabbis? That's called Yiridat So Cheshbon is, how much could you have learned? What was your potential? Boy, oh boy, that's a big Cheshbon. It's a terrible Cheshbon. We don't know our potential. It's like an Olympic swimmer. Unless the Olympic swimmer goes full blast, he doesn't know what his potential is. And you're, we're constrained by our own minds. The person constrains themselves by the, I can't do this, I can't do this, it's too hard, it's too hard, it's too hard, won't accomplish. We constrain ourselves in our own minds, so we have to break the barriers of our mind. So they ask you, why can't you be able to go on? I'm not going to go my constraints. Who said you have constraints? If you try harder, you'll be able to go on. You have to try harder, that's a joke. I'm talking about myself. And we see this also with Cain and Hebel. Cain kills Hebel. How many people did he kill? Rashi said, very famous to Rashi. All the bloods of your brother are crying out to me from the ground. You didn't only kill one person. You killed all their future generations. That's Cheshbon. It was terrible. Cheshbon is worse than the judgment. Judgment is you kill one person. Cheshbon, you killed? Who knows how many billions? Imagine every generation. Hashem's calculating how many more people are going to come to the world. My world. Ruchaim Velazhan and Ruchachaim and Pirkei Avot. He brings down the Gemara in Shabbat. 123b. Sorry, 125b. He gives a parable. The king, he lends his beautiful garments to different people. So some people, they wear it. Yes, they wear it. They wear it and they dirty it. And some people, obviously I know the king's garments. I'm not going to wear it. I'm going to destroy his garments. I'll clean it and cherish it, dry clean it, make sure it's sparkling all the time. The king comes back for his garments. Where's my garments? So guys who wore the garments and ruined the garments, they're going to give them back to Hashem. And the the guy who looked after the garments gives back pristine garments to the king. Obviously the king is happy with the guy who gives him back pristine garments. He said, that's us. Hashem gives us his garments. What is his garment? The soul. Part of the Hashem is the soul. The ones who ruined the soul, what are they going to give back to the king? In your soul, you dirtied your soul. That's what Yom Kippur is all about. It's cleaning the soul. Let's clean our souls. So Teshuva cleans the souls. Teshuva Me'ava cleans it properly, and Teshuva Me'ira, just get the grime out. We can't really it, clean it. So I have a question. If it starts from Me'ira and not, then. Has to start from Me'ira. Has to start from Me'ira. We're going yeah. to talk about it. Has to start. There's another way. 
unless you're like Eliezer ben Dordia. <laughs> Eliezer ben Dordia got to the stage of Ava very fast. In the beginning? No, very fast. Very fast. The same day. He died, Shuvah Me'ava. He realized who he hurt. He realized who, because the woman told him, you, you can never go back to God. He said, I can never go back to God, but I love God. I want to go back to God. I want to go back to Hashem. So it's not because of the punishment. He was just, she told him, you're never going to go back to Hashem. Your true will never be accepted. Hashem will never accept your true. Then he really got slapped in the face. Then he realized what the point of life is all about. The point of life is to get close to Hashem. That's the point of life, because that's the future. A person can't get close to Hashem in this world. It's going to be very hard to get close to Hashem in the next world, unless your children are tzaddikim. <laughs> and they're doing a lot of good deeds, or you left a lot of good deeds in the world. Every good deed you leave in the world, now that you push closer to Hashem, closer to Hashem, right? And a very bad deed a person left in the world, going back, away from Hashem. But we, let's say what, we, we see this from Yitzhak Avinu, right? What happens? Esav walks in. He starts trembling, terrible trembling. Why does he start trembling? The answer is because an evil son can pull him down to get him out. He felt the fires of him. I don't know what happened to Yitzhak. That's a scary thing. A son they call Yitzhak. Every generation they're killing Jews. I mean, his own child. It's horrible. And Abraham Avinu, miskin. Right? That's why Yaakov Hevel Nachalato. Yaakov is the one. This week's parasha, Hadzin. Yaakov is the main one. Yaakov is Hevel Nachalato. He is the main forefather. Why? Well, it's Shonu Sadikim. That's number one. Number two is he has the merits of Yitzhak, not the demerits of Yitzhak. He has the merits of Abraham, not the demerits of Abraham. So Yaakov is that's. Yaakov is very the main. Alf made forefathers Yaakov. It's interesting, we end off the Amidah with, I was, I was thinking about it today, why do you say Magin Abraham should be Magin Yaakov? Mm. Right. But we're called Israel. We are called Israel after Yaakov. We're not called Abraham. We're called Israel. So we are associated with Yaakov. Whether you like it or not, we are Israel. We are associated with Yaakov. Why Yaakov? He's the main one. He never had any Rashaim come for him. Yeah, everyone has slight errors, but they're not Rashaim. Yeah, sorry. Okay. So the fools who dirty their, their souls with the blemishes of uh, sin, whereas the wise people polish their souls with a mitzvah. So every time you do a mitzvah, you're polishing your soul. Every time you do a mitzvah, you're getting brighter. Your soul is getting brighter. And you feel it. If you're sensitive, you feel it. The person doesn't have a feels down. The person doesn't mitzvah feels up. So on their reckoning, there's going to be judgment. How much did you sully the soul? How dirty is the soul? How clean is the soul? And it's going to be obvious to everyone. The Beta Levi says that the wrongdoing, a person does wrongdoing, it defiles a person. Not only does it defile the person, that's one, it defiles the person, number one. Number two is, makes them tame. The soul becomes tame. So it becomes uh, defiled, the person gets defiled. The person gets dirty from the sin. The person gets dirty. You know, it's interesting, having boys, boys and girls, Boys, they don't care being dirty. They don't care, they're dirty. By the time they be potty trained, it takes a while. With girls, at least one of them. Whoever's phone is that? Please. Somebody left their phone here, please take it off. So, uh, with, uh, with girls, you just say, I'm dirty, I'm dirty. It's like they can't stand it. They get potty trained very fast. They, they say, I feel dirty, and that's what we have to be. We have to be the academy and say, you know, I can't, I can't anymore. I'm dirty, I'm dirty, I can't. 
So it's uh, very important to be quick. It's very important to be quick to realize. Those got to realize that uh, the spiritual sensitivity has got to be alert. It's very hard. It's very hard because we're living in a physical world. So a person knows they're hungry. Does a person feel I'm hungry for Torah? Yeshua Navi says, Hoy In the future, people will say, Yes, I'm thirsty for Torah. And we see it today. See, Balachi will come and thirsty for Torah. Insatiable for Torah. See, people like that today. Insatiable. They can't get enough Torah. Halavai. We should be in that category that we can never get enough Torah. Yes. So, anyway, so we know that the person's going to realize things are worthwhile and things which are not worthwhile. Very, very important to know what is worthwhile in life. What is not worthwhile in life? As Shalom Amelah says, Hevel Havalim Amar Kohelet. What does a person gain from all their work under the sun? Under the sun, Allah mm-hmm. Mazir. He doesn't say over the sun. Over the sun, there is reward. Under the sun, is Allah Mazir. A lot of it is Hebel Havalim. Mislaji Shari. He says, a person has to paint a very sharp mental picture of what's going to happen after they die. It's so hard to imagine. That's what the Gemara says, right in Brachot. But he wants to sin, then think of three things. Number one is, let him say Shema. Number two is, go to the bed. Sorry, number one is, go to the bed Midrash. Number two is, say the Shema. Number three is, think of the day of his death. What do you think of the day of his death? What do you mean, think of the day of his death? Think of divine judgment. It's quite scary. If you've ever been to court for anything, you need to have been to court. You're being examined by, say, the IRS or uh, something else. Audited. You're being audited. No, in court. You're being audited. You know how people have? Because they know there's always something. Maybe they can dig up this and dig up that. You never know they can dig up. It's pachat. Think of now going before Hashem. Oh, God. I mean, we can't even imagine. If we would just imagine that, we would change completely. Because they are terrified. I mean, you know, people are scared. They're scared of everything. Right? A woman called me the other day. Is your town safe? She wants to move to town. Is it a safe town? First fear people have is it's safe, right? So the Mislaji Shrine says, listen, it's very important to picture the scene. It's hard to picture. We have no kings today that have power, life, and death. I mean, we say Melech Machia Melachim, it loses its significance. Right? President of presidents, it doesn't sound the same. <laughs> King of kings, Melech Machia Melachim, Hakadosh Baruch Hu. I can't visualize it. I've never seen a king who has power, life, and death. Maybe Putin comes close. Well, sad, <laughs> For sure. All the dictators, offers, you know, take them away. So then we can imagine how dangerous it is in front of Hashem. He has life and death in his hands. Yeah. The trouble is, we don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't have the next second a person's life can be turned around. But as Rabbi Shem, our lives will be turned around for good. Our lives will be turned around for good this coming year. But as be a very good year for all Kalanistra and it all depends on now now is the time you know what we're just sneaking through for the last legs of the 10 days of repentance if we don't sneak through now it's going to be harder much harder later on now is the time Hashem <coughs> Hashem is right here Yeshua Hashem be Matzor search for Hashem when he's around when is he around the 10 days of repentance are up, I say. he's around so let's search for him now so we're talking about Cheshbon. Cheshbon is also... So we had number one is 
the opportunity cost. What could you have been doing when you did this avira? That's cheshbon. Going to be punished not just for the sin, it's also for the what could you have been doing for that time and that energy and that money and that whatever you put into it. The guy went to the casino. So he spent, uh, he went to Las, Las, Las Vegas, right? He spent uh, $400 on the ticket. He spent $1,000 on the, on the hotel. And he spent uh, $2,000 or $20,000 of gambling. I'm, to say, I'm not going to just judge you on gambling. I'm going to judge you on the stuff that you paid for the gambling. You could have used for Torah. You could have used for mitzvot. People are going to think when they buy something, do I really need this or not? Because eventually there's going to be a calculation. What could you have done with that money? Oh, gosh. I just got I just got a mailing from Efrat. Efrat is an organization that saves children from being killed from abortion. So it costs them twelve hundred dollars to save a child. Twelve hundred dollars to save a child. That's it. Twelve hundred dollars you can save a Jewish <coughs> child from abortion in Israel. Thirty thousand abortions a year. Not to imagine. Why? Because some parents just do it for economic reasons. So what they do is they help. They buy all the stuff for the baby, and they support the family for one year. And that's enough, $1,200, that's it, to save a child. So now a guy wasted $1,200. Oh, God. Hashem says, you see this kid? You could have saved him. The person has to visualize this. Or, you know, some things you have to say, it's a privilege. The person could say, this thing's a privilege. This is an honor. This is a... I'll do this. It's a privilege. Okay, so these are things that we have to think about when we're wasting money. Instead of buying a new car, I can invest that money in my children's education, in my grandchildren's education, in something else that person spends. Now's the time. You're doing kaparot. So kaparot, that money should go to the best possible causes. What's better than saving a Jewish child? What's better than putting a kid through a yeshiva? What's better than uh, paying for someone's wedding when they can't afford it? So these are, there's tons of good things we can do. A person uses it for bad, he's ruining it. He's testing it already. So the cheshbon. The second cheshbon we said is the ripples. And the Rambam says, Rambam is very harsh over there. We were just doing this earlier. Chapter 4 of Hilchot Teshuvah. 24 things stop Teshuvah. What do you mean they stop Teshuvah? Nothing stops Teshuvah. Even Menashe Melech Israel could do Teshuvah. Melech Yudah, actually. Even Menashe, the worst king we ever had, who caused everyone to sin. Hashem had to dig a special hole for his Teshuvah. He borrowed us because the angels didn't want us to shiver coming. Hashem had to make a tunnel for us to shiver under the Kisiyakavod, whatever that means. And Menashe was able to do Teshuva. Hard to measure, right? Why was it so hard? Ramam says, What are the hard things to do to Ha a person who makes other people, the majority of people sin, and the community sin. Or he stops them from doing a mitzvah. The kings of Israel, the northern kingdom, they stop people from going to Yerushalayim three times a year. What they make instead? Golden calves. Yeravon ben Nevat, right? In a golden calf. Two golden calves. One in Dan and one in later on. One in the south, one in the north. Don't go to Israel. Don't go to Yishlaim. Three times a year. Worship the golden calf. So not only is he machti the rabbim, he stops them going. Stops doing a positive. He's also causing them to do a negative. Right? And then he says, five things it's hard to do. Right? So a person who sees his child doing bad and he doesn't rebuke him he could rebuke him he could tell him what to do but the child has grown up he can't tell him obviously but he's still under his control he can tell him he didn't rebuke him you know that's uh, a lot of people today say let the kid do whatever he wants let him choose when he grows up but you know better right why don't you tell him why don't you guide him 
Hashem holds you responsible. He holds the person who can talk responsible. So, and a person who can rebuke and he did rebuke. So, all these things. The person is responsible. So, a person's got to be careful. There's a ripple effect. What's the ripple effect? Children see him doing something. Obviously, not only is he not rebuking them, he, by his example, he's encouraging them. Well, daddy did it, grandpa did it, great grandpa did it, Barmenan. It's a terrible thing. And that's what we say. pays back the sin of the, of, the, of, the, of the parents, three or four generations, only three or four generations, if they continue in their path. If the children are doing what their parents did, and the grandchildren do what the parents did, and the great grandparents do what they did, then they're punished. All those generations who followed the path are punished for three or four generations previously. Why? Because they learned from the example and they continued the example. So it's very important. We don't realize the ripple effects of our deeds. People are watching, and kids are especially watching. Right? So we have to be careful how we educate our children, grandchildren, and uh, that can be that's accounting. So we have to paint a picture. And Mr. Yishev says, how are we going to stand before the king of kings? I mean, it's Yom Kippur. We're going to have to paint a picture. It's awesome. It's awesome. I was just reading about one of the old Hasid Rebbe's who was blind. And they were t- making him walk to Kolidre. I'm going to the Day of Judgment. I'm not ready. He starts bursting into cries. Yes, I'm not ready. I'm not ready for the judgment. So all the Hasid burst into tears. Very powerful. Well, I'm, he's not ready for judgment. Who's ready for judgment? Anyone ready? ready for, anyone over here can say, I'm ready, Hashem, please. No, Hasfashan, you don't say that. Say, Hashem, don't judge me. I'll try better. That's what he's saying. Don't judge me. Please don't judge me. I can't, I can't bear the burden of your judgment. It's too. Because the judgment is not just judgment. It's also Hashbon. That's even worse than judgment. It's not just once. It's calculated over and over again. What effects are coming from your deeds? Ten years down the road. Bar Can imagine a person makes a wrong turn in his life. It's not a joke. Look at it. Esau and Yaakov. 13-year-olds. The one goes this way, one goes the other guy. One decides he's going to keep it for the other guy. says, I'm not going to keep it for. That wrong turn led to abyss, an abyss. He fell off the cliff, Sel Azazel. His head came off and fell into the Machpelah, but his body was left outside. And his generations that came after him, who knows what they did. Small veering off the path. A person veers off the path. In split seconds, he veers off the path, and before he knows it, somewhere else completely. And it happens today with directions, right? You take a wrong, the wrong turn in the middle of nowhere. Look at these guys in Israel, right? The bus full of soldiers ends up in the in, in a, a refugee camp. Even though they're not regi- refugees, really. They're not refugees. <laughs> right? And they get stoned over there, and three soldiers are hurt. Just veering off the road a little bit. Go by ways instead of... You know, in Israel, when you have ways, you have to put in a security thing. It's a special thing you have to click off to be safe. You can go the quickest way or the safest way. Mm. <laughs> Interesting. So all these guys go the quickest way and they end up in these places. But just it just shows with life, a person can end up in a, who knows where you're gonna end up. Just a little veering off the path. So a person can imagine. How am I going to raise my head in front of Hashem? You know, it's interesting. There's a custom every day in the Shmonestra, at the end of Shmonestra, to say a pasuk of your name. You heard of it? Mm-hmm. Everyone knows this? There's a pasuk. You look it up. Consider it. Pasuk with your name. Why do you say a pasuk with your name? You know why? To remember your name. When you go up. To remember your name. It says when a person dies, the angels 
Just ask him who he is. If he doesn't know what happens, they keep getting. Kibuta bam, bam, bam. I mean, how they, I mean, we have to understand it's not physical because you have no, it's not hitting your body, <laughs> hitting your soul, whatever that means. Why? Why does a person not remember their name? It's scared stiff. They're trembling. I can't. Oh, my name. Can you imagine? You're going through a, tra- a metamorphosis from being a physical being to a totally spiritual being. You're seeing without, without your eyes. You're feeling things. And you're totally disoriented. And they say, all of a sudden you feel, what's your name? Oh, oh, oh. I don't know where I am. Oh. It happened to me once. I was a kid. I was 15 years old. I fell down playing basketball. ruptured my spleen. I nearly died. And uh, I got an emergency surgery. And when I came out of surgery, I didn't know what I was. I was groggy completely. It was dark. It was totally dark. I said, where am I? Heaven or hell? <laughs> it was black. I see this black face. Look at me. It was a black nurse, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, God. I'm in hell. I'm in hell. I'm just saying. I'm just trying to visualize, you know, what's going on. You know. So you're dis- totally disoriented because it's, 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 right? You're laughing, but it's very, you know, when you're 15 years old, you're, you're scared. You're, you never had a surgery before. You know what's going on. You're, you're out of it. And you're dying. They say you're dying. And you come out of it and you're, you're in this dark place. You can't move because, you, you know, you just had surgery. You're out of it. Immobilized. And you're in pain. I'm just trying to visualize. This is, uh, just trying to give you a visualization. So. The body dies and the soul comes out and the soul is disoriented completely. And then, what's your name? So we say a pasuk, try it. A pasuk will help us. A pasuk can remember the pasuk more than they remember the name. Through the, through the pasuk, they remember the name. So it's scary. Stand before, that's what Mr. Shrem says. Where is, have you lost your tongue? They'll tell you, what happened to you? What happened to all your kavod that you had in your life, that your ego, what happened to your ego? What happened to all the honor and glory that you pride yourself on your wealth? What happened to it? It's worthless. You can't answer. You're stuck. What can we say? In Yomadin, what can we say? It says, Shmuel HaNavi was brought back by Shaul HaMelech. Okay, big controversy. Was it really a witch? Was she really able to do it? Was it not? Was it sleight of hand? Was it uh, fooling him? Whatever it is. Let's take a face value. The witch brings back Shmuel. What, how does he come out? Upside down. Upside down. And he's trembling. Why is he trembling? He thinks it's the day of judgment. He thought it's the day of judgment. Yamadin, Hagadol which hasn't happened yet. So he already went through Yamadin in Shemayim. But apparently the second one is even worse than the first one. Shmuel came up? Yeah, the witch brought him up. Right side up. Came, That's came up. how the woman knew he was the king. different opinions, okay. Okay, different opinions, yeah, yeah. thank you. Yeah. There's always different opinions. <laughs> So some Midrashim say he came upside down, he's trembling. Well, that's way normal. Right. The Gwana gives a little bit of visualization. How is the evidence presented to a person in the Day of Judgment? It's scary. I say that person says, you know what? I don't have any witnesses. I was alone in my room. So Gwana says, the walls will come and give testimony. The wooden beams will come. They'll cry out and say, this guy did so-and-so in this room. Very, very, very. It's a pasuk. What does the pasuk say? Even Mekir Tzitzak, the stone from the wall will cry. It happened. When did it happen? Belshazzar. He's having his party and he sees the writing on the wall. Literally. <laughs> the wall is talking to him. It's Hashem talking to him. You're going to be killed, the wall says. 
So there's no choice. We have no choice. So that's why it's dangerous where a person lives. A person can do tshuva. All these walls, all this, please Hashem, erase the, erase the tape and not just erase it, rewrite it. Rewrite good things in this building, in this house. Because this, this Kedusha, if you leave Kedusha, you leave Tumah. Makes a big difference. And the walls give, give testimony. Okay, so what is one of the six constants? What? Let's go. Number one, believe in Hashem. Only one Hashem. Fear Hashem. Love Hashem. Keep going. Don't follow your heart and your eyes. And quickly, quickly. Don't have time. And the last one? I'm asking you. Let's do it again. One Hashem. Love, Love Hashem. Hashem. Fear Hashem. Fear Hashem. Oh, there's only one Hashem. Yeah. Lotaturu. And quickly, quickly. No other Hashem. No other Hashem. Six consonants. One of the consonants, what is? Avad Hashem, we're going to talk about it. It's high level. Let's talk about fear of Hashem. What is fear of Hashem? So, Sefer Achinuch over here. It's Mitzvah number 432 in Sefer Achinuch. The fear of Hashem, the fear of God should be on our faces. It's so hard. So, we should not sin. In other words, we should fear His punishment. Lowest level, as you said. Lowest level. Fear of punishment. Just fear of punishment. Yirata Onish. Obviously, there's a high level of this, which is Yirata Ravimut, fearing God Himself. We don't fear God, we have no concept of Hashem. We have no concept, especially today. We fear the punishment. Today, people don't fear punishment. People today are ready to give their lives for nothing. More people commit suicide. What if they commit suicide physically? They commit suicide spiritually. They don't care. They don't think about it. The only thing is, we believe there's no suicide. You can't commit suicide. It's from the frying pan to the fire. <laughs> you can't control your destiny. No, we think, the guy says, I'll kill myself, and that's it. Good luck. There's din on that as well. Suicide is like the worst thing a person can do. Why? There's no teshuva. You kill someone else, you can always do teshuva. <laughs> it's going to be hard, but... But the person kills himself. He, can't. he killed himself. It's murder. It's mur- A1 murder. And he can't do, has no time to show unless he, he lived a few minutes after. I know someone who did. He died in the helicopter, whatever it was, and, and he said, I'm sorry, I did, I'm really sorry. But she was Meshuga already. But she, she did say sorry. She wasn't so Meshuga then. She had this terrible disease, uh, you know, mental problems. So a person should have fear of Hashem. Torah says, So fear of Hashem. And Sarah uh, says, this is a constant mitzvah. He brings down his con- word constant. It's a constant mitzvah that applies 24-7. The root reason for the precept of reverent fear for God is obvious to all. The great God of, against sin is fear of its penalty. What's stopping people from doing certain things? So that's why the government puts penalties. Right? If you, uh, especially in a park, you speed in a park, you get a penalty, uh, you get a ticket. Penalty. You get fines on your license. You get uh, you get uh, your insurance goes up. Everything penalties. We're scared of penalties. What are people scared of? Penalties. Children. Consequences. <coughs> so that is going to keep us away. Keep us on the straight and narrow. Person not not scared. You have kids today that they have no fear of anything. So a person who rebels against God has got no fear of God. He's like he's crazy. Mishuga. No fear of the king. No fear of punishment. 
had a guy. He just uh, he woke up from his reverie. Why? His son was involved in a major accident. Major, major accident. He came out untouched. And the man says, this is a wake-up call for me. Change completely. You can understand that. It's a wake-up call. So especially he remained untouched. It's a miracle he remained untouched. Miracles. Sometimes miracles happen. A person doesn't use that miracle as a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call to us. I was just reading a story of... It's a true story. This woman, she, she, she writes in the column... In the, she came from Israel after 10 years in, in seminary. And all her friends are actuaries and doctors and professors and this and that. She comes to America. And she says a very, a very nice uh, thing. She says a very nice thing. She says, a day in Israel is like a Shabbat in America. Shabbat in Israel is Yom Kippur in America. So it says she was so depressed when she came to America, she never had a job. She was... And she moved to Borough Park. She said, I'll try and get the atmosphere of Israel, right? Good luck. She moved to Borough Park. And she was, got so depressed. I'm, I'm not in Israel. And uh, I'm doing nothing over here. And I, I'm looking for a husband. She's looking for a husband. Had part-time had a like, by her husband. She starts thinking ahead. She's walking down the street. She's thinking ahead. Maybe Hashem should kill me. No, no, no. I want to live. Just then, the big branch of a tree falls. Bam! Missed her by inches. So Hasid sees her from across the street. You better say a bracha. I go, Mel. <laughs> she said, guys, it's a wake-up call. I was thinking, bad thoughts. Hashem should kill me. And then I said, Hashem shouldn't kill me. Hashem sent me a wake-up call. Don't even think. Don't even, even enter your mind. Life is precious. Anyway, fear of Hashem. Sefer says, it applies in every place and every time. There's no way you can go and say, I have no fear of Hashem. I'm in the bathroom. I have no fear of Hashem now. I'm in the bathroom. I'm in my own room. No fear of Hashem. No. Every place and every time, 24-7. Now, here we come to Chidush. He said it also applies to Goyim. Hear that? Even a non-Jew has that fear of Hashem. Wow, that's Chidush, right? Why? Because the Sefer Chidush holds even non-Jews have to believe in no other power but Hashem. When the Torah says they have to believe in no other power but Hashem, includes the fear of Hashem. There's nothing else. There's no other power in the world except Hashem that includes all. That includes all. He said, this obligation is never lifted from a person, even for an instant. Hashem does not turn his back on people. Right now I can't see you. Okay. Ayeka, where are you, Adam? Oh, you can't see me. You don't know where I am. <laughs> Foolish. Hashem is aware of everything we do, every time, every second. So there's no second where this does not apply. If a sinful matter comes to someone's hand, he has to arouse his spirit and reflect at the time the Eternal watches every action. It's amazing. Be careful, right? Ozen Ru'ah, Ayin Ru'ah, Ozen Shamat, V'chol, Ma'asecha, B'Sefer It's an eye that sees it. Yeah, that hears everything that you do, it's recorded. And you know who records it? We do. We go up there and we sign the paper. You know? That's if you, if you assume it's a paper. <laughs> it's, a, it's what's called it's called an electronic signature. <laughs> we sign it. You can't you can't argue. Hashem says you did this. You know? Listen, you can't. You know the truth. It's not, you can't argue. There's no argument over there. It's like a, a regular court over here can deny it. It's in Yom Kippur. If you go to a regular court and you admit, woe to you and woe to your soul. If you go to God's court and say. 
I didn't do it. Well, to you, well, to yourself. It's the opposite. So it's very, very important to have fear of Hashem, all of Hashem. Especially Erev Yom Kippur. It's awesome. It's awesome. This day is an awesome day. It's an awesome day. But it's also a happy day. It's a happy day if you use it to go back to Hashem. That's what true is. Going back to Hashem. If you use it to go back to Hashem, it's happy. You're making amends with your Father in Heaven. We're making amends. We're wiping away all the barriers between us. So Torah says, and Hashem Fear Hashem. It's a positive commandment. It's a constant positive commandment. Every second of the day. On Jews and non-Jews. But especially when you're tested. Oh, that's a hard one. That's why Yosef was called a tzaddik. Because he was tested not just once, not just twice, not just three times. Day in and day out it says. She would come and she would dress in different dresses and, and she was a very attractive woman apparently. She wasn't attractive, it's not a test. Very simple. She was changing her dress this time, changing her dress this time, see through this and that, the other. This is temptation, that's fear of Hashem. That's why he's called a tzaddik. That's your Shemai. So that applies when you're tempted. Remember, how can I do this? Hashem is watching. How can I do this? Unfortunately, we think we're idiots. We rationalize. You can't see me right now. You can't see me right now. <laughs> Everything is recorded. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu says. That's all he wants from you, just to fear Hashem. Mr. Eishan says, the most essential element in serving Hashem is Yerat Hashem. Start with that, Yerat Hashem. That's the basic commodity. And how do you get to Yerat Shemaim? <coughs> in Shlomo Melas says in, in Proverbs, in Mishle, if you're looking for it for, as silver, and you seek it out, as you search for buried treasure, then you will understand Yerat Shemaim. So we don't have to look for Yerat Shemaim. But it's got to work on Yerat Shemaim. You've got to think about these things. How do I get Yerat Shemaim? I've got to think all the time, Hashem is watching me. Inculcated to your being, Hashem is with me right now. Even though I've walked through the valley of shadow death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. David Amalek knew Hashem is watching him every second of the day. And even he felt. He's a classic Baltishop. David Amalek is a classic Baltishop. So it doesn't say, Mishlat Hashem said, it doesn't say, and then you will understand philosophy. And then you will understand astronomy. And then you will understand medicine. Then you grasp uh, law. Says then you will get the fear of Hashem. You search for it like silver. In other words, you need to search for it. Really search for it. Put aside time every day, working on your Shemayim. That's how you search for it. And that's the answer. Is Musar? If you learn this book every day, can you imagine ten minutes a day. The Musar, several minutes a Ten minutes a day can make an impact on the person. Hashem is everywhere. Hashem is looking. Hashem is watching. A person got to live with that awareness. Hashem is watching every step a person takes. It's so hard. Not to look here, not to look there. It's hard. It's, you've got to work on it. It's your that's, how, that's how you know how much your Shemaim have. It's not what you do in public. It's what you do in private. First be your Shemaim in private as he is in public. In public, people watching. So Even that today is not a given today. People don't care. People watching, not watching. They don't have no shame anymore. There's no embarrassment anymore. There's pride. There's no shame. At least in public, person says, you know, I have, I have shame. But in private, we have to try and work on that as well. So now we come to a story. This is Rav Itzela Peterberger, who's one of the students of Israel Salanta. He wrote the book, Or Yisrael. 
He says, man by nature is easily frightened. We're all frightened. It's dark and you hear a voice. Boom! Ah, what happened? Who's it? Who's it? So either a person is afraid of crime, competition, the future, the unknown, failure, sickness, poverty, pain, death. There's no end. So he asked the question, he says, if we're so scared of all these things, it's close to paranoia. And people are paranoid completely. They can't go into the elevator, and they can't go to airplanes. How many people can't go in airplanes? They can't, they can't go on a boat, but then people are scared. They're scared. They're scared of so many things, some of them mostly imaginary, they can't be scared of Hashem. Why is that? Yes. It's a strange phenomenon, he says. However, he says, it's part of God's design. Hashem purposely plucked it from a person's heart to give us free choice. So it doesn't come normally. It doesn't come naturally. By the way, it's very easy to inculcate it into children. Because children, by nature, are very scared, especially in dark. So how do you inculcate children? You tell them, don't be scared. Hashem is with you. Please say, Hashem is with you. Hashem is with you. Hashem is with you. Until it becomes like a norm. The child thinks second nature. I'm not scared. Hashem is with me. You tell the story of David and Goliath, right? David wasn't scared. Why? Hashem is with him. It has a big impact. It chills your mind. We have to teach them. We have to teach our children ourselves. Some parents destroy their children with your mind. There's no Hashem. Atheist. Destroy. But it doesn't come naturally. Person your mind would never choose evil. So by divine decree, it says man does not fear Hashem instinctively. However, we can start working on ourselves intellectually. This world has a creator, like Abraham Avinu. This world has a creator. What does a creator want from us? I mean, we have histories. We have, we have real life stories. That's why it's good to read the tales of Sadiqim, all these Sadiqim he had, who lived their lives with the Yerchamai. We have examples. And we can see in our lives where does the path lead to this way and what does the path lead to this way. Amen. We should all have successful outcomes. Uh, Tomorrow is Russia before tomorrow. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.